0: Canucks Central Monday. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah coming to you from the mobile Kintex studio at Rogers Arena getting ready for the Canucks and Vegas Golden Knights tonight. Vancouver going for their first three-game win streak of the season. Canuck Central is brought to you by Grip Auto and Tire, quality service you can trust, and 14 locations to serve you. I uh I will say this about my weekend sat. We have uh T minus 4 days until Yannick Hansen will be on the show again. Uh-huh. And he'll be able to give his uh full scouting report of uh of of my game on the ice from the uh the pro-am this weekend
1: and based on what you were telling me before the show began <laughs> and how he was chirping you i can't wait until friday and my other question is how how poorly did you perform
0: oh i was was not very good hands mm. of stone comes to mind oh, it was wow. one of those things i was like so nervous to like impress yannick that really? like anytime he passed me the puck i just like threw up all over myself you like trying to do too much like 100 percent. i'm just gonna toe drag this guy nope Toto, what are you thinking? Just, yeah. just, just get pucks deep, man. <laughs> get pucks deep. Don't throw them through the middle. I, I made all the sa- the same mistakes that we harp on about the Canucks every week. So. It's not so easy, is it, Dan? Yeah, no. Yeah. Game, game's a little bit different when you're when you're on the ice compared to uh, looking up from above. But uh, that'll be fun. yeah, yeah. I mean, can't do it in beer league. Imagine <laughs> you idiots, you guys can't do that against the Kings. It's like well. I uh I totally lost a couple draws to Todd Bertuzzi, so that was fun.
1: You did? Did he did he muscle you?
0: Uh no, he's just like <laughs> it's so funny when you play like in these pro am events and, and yeah, sure, Bert doesn't move like he used yeah, yeah, to. Yeah. Yannick like probably moves the best of any pro still, like where two strides and you're know, like, Holy smokes, how do you move that fast? But like Bert, it was just like he was in the matrix and everybody else would, you, I, I said it to one of our teammates, it was like He's Neo, and we're the bullets flying by Neo, you know? <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. just like seeing the game at this insanely slow pace. Uh, it's just fascinating. And he just puts it on a dime for whoever's around the net every time. Every it's time. Sick. Perfect. Yeah. Sick. Right. Yannick was the same way. But yeah, it's fun. Good weekend uh, in support of uh, Canucks Autism Network. And uh, yeah, uh, Canucks were off after a big win over the. LA Kings sat and while I do want to get into some of the good things that came out of that there was a lot of chatter over the weekend again about what the Canucks may or may not be up to now I am going to preface this conversation by saying last week on the show you were fairly consistent no you were consistent (laughs) in saying That the Canucks uh, were still pretty quiet. They may be talking to some teams, but really nothing is imminent because there's just not a whole lot of good options for them out there. So don't expect anything to come down anytime soon. Over the course of the weekend, we did hear on 32 Thoughts from Elliot Friedman that the Canucks and Sens talked a potential. Myers for Zaitsev swap. What's your read of that discussion?
1: Well, I mean, it's like we mentioned on Monday, Dan, that I don't my my sense on Ottawa and Vancouver was that there wasn't much going on there, and that whatever happened uh, just didn't really amount to much of anything. So my sense all along was not much to read into uh, the Ottawa situation, and of course, you know, good reporting over the week about some more details about what was discussed. Zaitsev and Myers, at least some very cursory discussions my my sense on the situation talking talking a little bit to people ar- around the league today was that Vancouver my sense is I don't think Vancouver initiated this and uh-huh. and the second part of it too is I think Vancouver has no interest in giving up any assets to move yeah. Myers at this stage which is the second part about it and the third part and this is interesting because if you listen to uh, what Rick Dolwall and Friedman have been saying is that Myers was not asked to waive his no trade clause which is true he was never asked to waive his no trade clause but considering that he has a limited no trade clause what does that mean it means that Ottawa is on his list of teams that he doesn't want to go to so the point being that I don't think Vancouver at any stage thought this was going anywhere because they know Myers has no interest in going there and at no stage the discussions get to a point where Ottawa was willing to do anything to make Vancouver even approach Myers about it in the sense is Vancouver has no interest in giving up an asset and moving the Myers contract.
0: Yeah, so which, uh, I mean, makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, strictly on on opinion, I don't think the Canucks would should even remotely consider having to give up an asset uh, in any sort of Myers for Zaitsev swap, as unlikely as it is, because of the no trade. Uh, clauses that are involved uh, including Zaitsev's zone but Zaitsev was waived and sent to Belleville so I'm sure he would accept the trade to almost anywhere in the NHL rather than the AHL but that's also why it makes zero sense that Vancouver would have to add an asset in this situation it's a, a million and a half of cap space sure there's some real cash dollars involved there too but you're giving up a guy who's clearly going to play decent minutes for Ottawa in exchange for somebody who just got waived to the ahl and is still signed at four and a half million dollar ticket for the next season it does, it just it doesn't add up to me that that if there was any kind of long discussion about it that that vancouver would be the team giving up the extra asset there
1: no i mean you just walk through the logic yeah and i think if you you know if you talk to the vancouver side they'd say exact same thing <laughs> you just said it's like wait this is a guy who's playing top four minutes, would be playing top four minutes yeah. for that team, most likely. For a guy who's not even in the National Hockey League at this moment, or at least his salary is buried, which kind of tells you about yeah. how his game is trending. He's played seven games so far this season for a Senators team that's you know, obviously not ready to contend yet, which, which just tells you a lot about where Zaitsev's game is at. Okay, I, you can maybe convince me that there's some logic into making a straight swap. Number one, because the buyout is easier if you want to go down that route over the course for Zytef, of yeah. Zaitsev. if you want to do that, you could do that. Um, and you just get out from money. But easier you're, if you do a straight swap and you save $1.5 on the books next year, save a little bit of money this year, save about $2 million in overall money, you give yourself a little bit of cap space as well. You can talk me into why you would do that just to clear the money and have another get as easier to kind of handle. But that's like the bare minimum. yeah. And I don't think Vancouver has interest in doing so because... There's one big thing to also consider. And what have we we been saying about Myers going back to essentially last offseason, even when we talked about you could probably move Myers, but why don't you wait until the end of this season? Because once he enters into the final year of his contract, and once his signing bonus is paid out, it's a $1 million salary. And if you retain money on the contract during the season next year, you can probably get back a decent yeah. You can get something back in return. Like he goes from being a guy you're you're getting nothing for or potentially giving something up to move off of, to getting an asset for moving in, in a in a few months time or perhaps a year's time. So why not wait for that? You know what I mean? Or unless somebody's willing to do something for you now. Like if Ottawa was willing to say throw a pick in or something. Yep. I, hey, would then Vancouver go to Myers and say, hey, you want to have a discussion about your no trade clause and all that sort of stuff? And and I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't because Myers may have a zero interest in going there no matter what. So they may even not even want to approach him. But the point being, I don't think they want to move off Myers unless you're getting something out of it.
0: It's uh, it, it comes back around to the conversation we've had constantly about uh, why did they double down on this roster and... Uh, What did they expect with this roster, this team, this decor, all of these conversations that have continued through the course of the summer and into the season after this slow start. Um, There's a puzzle being put together here, but the sequencing of that puzzle or how you're putting the pieces together isn't necessarily how we odd hall envisioned it in our minds or You're not just freeing up cap space as the first thing on your list because it's not the thing that is most readily available for you to do, or it's not the most logical thing to do right away with a player like Myers or Pearson, who, you know, if you are looking at this as sort of a slow play and build two to three years from now, you know, myers and pearson as rentals could be a lot more valuable let's say 12 months from today than they are right now where yes if you were to ask a team to take on myers or pearson you know they're a going to be like well where are we getting that cap space you got to take this contract back maybe we we, maybe we want an asset also to take on that contract uh I think that changes a lot in 12 months as you stare down the barrel of the end of their contracts.
1: Yeah, and that's where the patience comes in, and that's where you hear the organization talk about having to be patient because those are the realities that you can deal with a lot better with some time. What this team is looking to do more than anything, and we've talked about this, is trying to make a significant move here. Yeah. You know, and that comes with somebody that has more term or a guy with a, you know, bigger kind of impact on the team. With Myers, it's clear what we've talked about where his situation lies. And those other guys, and this is something else Friedman mentioned the Canucks are trying to make deals, right? But they can't force anything to happen. Yeah. And all these teams into LTIR right now. I mean, there's so little cap space currently available. Isn't it up
0: to 19 teams now, Seth? Yeah, about
1: 19 teams. And you, we're talking about less than $80 million in total cap space available across the, the National Hockey League. Yeah. And, and guess who has most of that?
0: Buffalo, Arizona.
1: Chicago, Chicago. And the teams that, and they're, and listen, they're not trying to trade for Brock Besser and Connor Garland. No. You know what I mean? Like those are not the guys they're trying to go out and, and acquire right now. So it's uh... so. So the situation, the reality is for them. It's not the time for you to be able to make trades. You're trying, and and they are working at it in terms of laying the groundwork and and figuring out what's going on. But the time has not come yet for those moves to become available to you. And that's a reality of why they have to wait this out a little bit. And hey, we talked about this last week as well. As much as they want to do stuff at the same time, what what sense is there in firing Bruce Boudreaux right now when he's not the problem?
0: And nobody's – people are still chanting Bruce, there it is. Like, he's not the issue. Oh, man, Sat, everywhere I go right now, it's like the JT Miller conversation over the summer. Uh, you know, I'd go to a barbecue and be like, so what's going on with JT? Uh, now the, the, that conversation has shifted, shifted completely to, to Bruce Boudreaux. Where I, I'm playing hockey at the pro am, I'm playing hockey uh, last night at, at Canlan North Shore, and it's you know, what's what's going on with Bruce is is it it's is it the end days for for Bruce Boudreaux? Um, all of those things are sort of the way it's happening, yeah. right now, and uh, <laughs> well, I do I'm just asking keep, about it. I, I I just keep saying like, I, I mean. Of course, it's possible things have gotten really bad to start this season, but it's it's not their preference and essentially I, I feel that way as as you've been saying that all along the last couple weeks.
1: Yeah and it's boring, and I like I mentioned, it's it's the not so fun update, you yes. know, like be, because I love to sit here and talk about more concrete possibilities, and and hey, and maybe things come to pass, right? And things start moving. It's not like we we always know what's going to happen or what's not going to happen, but they're kind of in a position where they're stuck, you know. And the best thing that can happen for them, and I know there are people that want them to keep losing for Bedard and all that sort of stuff, but from a bargaining position, from a hey, like pressure off Bruce, needlessly position. They win a few more, you make it a real winning streak here. It changes kind of the outlook of where they're at. You know what I mean? And especially in terms of bargaining, when they're talking to other teams, when cap space does free up a bit more, you get closer to the deadline, and some possibilities do do become, um, let's say, more available in terms of getting acted upon. You know what I mean? Teams being actually willing to do business. And if you're in a better position with your team at that stage, it's easier for you to at least not being in a disadvantageous position leverage wise which the Canucks kind of find themselves in because they have players with terms that have been underachieving generally in a team that's obviously off to a rough start
0: yeah it's uh it's pretty bleak um but they have won two in a row they beat the LA Kings on Friday a game that uh uh, Bruce Boudreau uh echoed the sentiments I had after the game that it was the best performance the Canucks had this season um my mind may have been changed a little bit on uh, a rewatch and also being told some of the deeper analytics from Clear Sights by uh, our Sportsnet goaltender ca- goal over the weekend, Kevin Woodley. Yeah, The high dangers were 15-5 in favor of the LA Kings. They were. Now, w- one thing I will say about Friday's game, what I liked... Yeah, they were still leaky, and they were giving up chances, and they relied on Demko late to keep it, uh, to stay ahead. At the same time, they didn't give as much up easily to the LA Kings. Oh, not... Honestly? They didn't give up too many transition chances in the way that they had been for so much of the early part of the season, but... Yeah, they got scrambly in their own zone and collapsed in front of Demko and tried to take away the middle of the ice as much as they could. Yeah, but they didn't give up as much easily to to the LA Kings, which I think was a step in the right direction for me.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm with you on that, and I went back and watched the game too. And we had this take on on the post game show as well to some degree. And I was I was curious before I went home and watched the game, and I was like, okay. It kind of felt like the Kings did control play better and created more chances, but it didn't feel like the Canucks were falling apart. It didn't seem as bad. The quality of those chances didn't seem quite as bad. So going back and watching it, and it's clear, yes, I mean, the run of play was in L.A.'s advantage after the first period, and they did create more chances. And they were better scoring chances, but they weren't. Your point—the ones where the Canucks were running around, the back door play opening up—you know what I mean—and then completely losing track and running around in their own zone—they didn't feel like they were out of control. They did bend, but they weren't breaking. And the chances they were given up for were, were, for the most part, chances that you felt like your goalie you could save. They got some luck too, right? I mean, yeah. the two posts that go off—you yeah. know, one that could have gone in—but hey, every team has posts in every game. But a couple the early of good chances,
0: whistle, early whistle. You know, the 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 thing Woodley and I were talking about. Maybe Drew Doughty was so pissed because he knows maybe if they score there, then it's it's game on, right? And the Canucks start to wilt like they had in other games.
1: he very well could have. And a yeah. lot of teams have echoed those sentiments. They feel like once they get one, if the Canucks have the lead, they feel like if they can get a couple on them, yeah. they can get come back, and you know, they have that feeling. And I'm sure the Kings were no different, especially when they did score that one goal, fielding one more, and we can get back into it. But it was an improvement. I don't want to be overly negative here about that victory because I thought – They did play fairly well against Buffalo outside of, you know, the final 10 minutes where, you know, they were kind of hanging on and it wasn't really pretty, but they are improving habits. It's true. They weren't doing, like, they weren't missing assignments. They weren't having the egregious turnovers. I I thought both Bo and JT, for the most part, were doing the right thing with their back checks. They are in the right spots. I thought, even on the PK, the habits were there. The sticks are in the right lanes. They're closing out. They're moving in unison a lot better. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't this great performance, you feel like, okay, these guys are back, they're going to win, but it was better. Like yeah. they, they looked like a team, like last year at times, where they were out chanced and they were outgunned, but they played pretty good team defense, and they got saves, and their top quality players made the most out of their po- opportunities. They were good on the power play, yeah. they won the goaltending battle. And They were just good enough defensively and with their team game not to break and that was a recipe last year Which helped them at least get close to the playoffs that's not a recipe for you to have success long term right? It's not a recipe for you to go out and you know Make it deep in the playoffs or anything But it was better than the stuff we've seen for the uh, most part this season
0: The best performance of the season is always relative to what the rest of the season yeah has been and uh, we know that that hasn't been great so there's still stuff that they can absolutely improve on but there is also uh, a lot to like about what they did friday against the la kings and i think it's mostly those things that i want to see continue sat um the better habits uh not getting caught in transition as as much as they had in previous games uh not giving up the backdoor play As you mentioned, these are the things I want to see them build on and carry forward more than anything else. Like just continue to build on these habits and, you know, at the very least we'll feel at least a little bit better about the way they're playing that, doesn't look like pond hockey as it has it sometimes this year.
1: No, and if you're worri- worried about big-picture habits and problems yeah. and, you know, maybe setting guys back because of what's going on here, that would be the uh, the only reason to me that's justifiable in terms of getting rid of Bruce Boudreau would be that they're, they're playing so poorly and their habits are so bad, the environment is so toxic as, in terms of what they're trying to do here that they're doing damage to the young players they have here. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. Yeah. You know what I mean? And as much as we can be critical of Boudreaux and the cards he's played and him not finding answers and his flaws and all that sort of stuff. This is what we meant by if you don't want to get your coach fired, play cohesive hockey at yeah. least. You know what I mean? Be coherent out there. You know like the stuff you're doing right now makes no sense. You're chasing around, running around, you're completely blowing your assignments. It looks like you guys either don't care, don't know what's going on, or you're you're just absolutely terrified being out there on the ice. And that's what makes it look so bad for a coach, right? And when we look at coaches who get fired, it usually comes when teams look like that. That look so distressed, right? And so much disarray and, and problematic that you feel like something has to give. And had this team, you know, not made a coaching change last year, hey, maybe I mean, you know, you can you can kind of justify looking at the coach and saying, Hey, maybe he's the answer, but because you know what happened last year, you can't look at it and say, Oh, it's the coach's fault. It's not. Yeah. Like it's clear what's going on with this group. So yes. It may not be good enough, but it's good enough for Bruce to stay here and for you not to needlessly
0: fire the coach. So you brought up the young players, and we're seeing Hoaglander come out of the lineup tonight. Uh, Jack Rathbone remains on the outside looking in as well. Vasily Podkolzin coming back into the lineup. We had a lot of hopes, I would say, for this group of young players. I think a lot of people expected one or two of the three to potentially, you know, grow into a bigger role on the team and play a bigger part. None of that has happened for any of these players so far this season. Um why why do you think that is? What 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 has been the issue if there is one for all three of these young players so far this year? Well, it's hard to say with Rathbone specifically Rathbone, yeah. because he's played so little. But between Colson and Hoaglander, like, why haven't they been able to stick in the lineup?
1: I think Rathbone is actually the, the most easy to understand, and perhaps even Hoaglander to some degree, but we'll get to those, because I, I want to start with Colson Okay. Yes, he hasn't been up to par. Yes, he's been making mistakes. And the thing that I, th- I believe has gotten in his way more than anything is how much the team has struggled. Right. Because the team struggling this much and him kind of going through a little bit of an early season swoon put him in a position where he had no margin for error and the environment wasn't such where he was going to be able to lean on people to feel better about his game to be able to get out of it so to speak because the entire team was crashing and burning at the same time right losing multi-goal leads bigger picture issues going on Bo with his contract the coach you know and the management stuff so, i mean, it wasn't a stable situation where guys could just take him under his wing and he could just kind of relax about it. So he feels probably a sense of, this sucks, we're losing, we're trying to win, putting more pressure on yourself. So I think him getting off to a bad start, kind of everything has snowballed perfectly against him. And I think if this team had, had a bit more success, it would have been easier for the coach to be patient, look at him and say, you know what, kid, don't worry about it, get out there, I'm going to keep you in the top six, you're going to score eventually, you'll be fine. And then you build him up and he would have been okay. But when the coach is desperate for wins the entire team is desperate for trying to find something tangible to hold on to he was not a priority you know and he all of a sudden goes down and I I think that's what I feel bad about for put Colson because I think if if all things were equal I don't think he should have been treated that way and I'm not trying to say he's been treated poorly but I think what this kid needed early in the season was a pat on the back yeah and the situation didn't offer him one and you can't blame the coach because of everything going on but I think Early in the season, he needed a pat on the back because he came in so prepared for training camp, so ready, right? And and, and put so much pressure on himself. He well, was we st- saw it in preseason, it, exactly. He like was
0: him and and Pedersen were easily like the two biggest standouts of preseason hockey. And he was productive. Yeah, he yeah. was. You know, making mistakes, and he was clear. He was trying
1: to trying to do too much at times, or whatever. But I thought that showed he was invested and passionate, and and he had his mind where it needed to be. It just a little probably too hyped and putting a little too much pressure on himself. And I think what he needed was. A a bit more overall moral support and I don't think the overall environment offered it to him and I don't think the coach was you know really prioritizing taking care of him at that stage
0: the uh the context of the rest of the team is is big here because uh, as we talked about in the summer my feeling has always been it's a lot to expect pod Colson to be the player you want him to be in the second year of his career in his sophomore season, like, the player he ultimately projects to isn't, you know, a goal-scoring winger, isn't a point-producing winger necessarily. He may become that at a pretty good rate at some point, but it's always – and like, the thought has always been, like, this guy could be a really good two-way winger uh, that could play in a top six and, and really have success yeah. being that kind of a guy – and I, I, just always felt like that's a lot to expect in the second year of a player that's still, you know, just twenty years old.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's, and I think we were both fading, um, him having maybe hitting those totals. Uh, like forty I'd say, points
0: was always. But you were
1: more skeptical about the overall impact as well, because of okay, is this asking too much? And I think you're absolutely right about it, especially yeah. as soon as they hit a rut here, it's clear he wasn't prioritized, right? And and I think Hoglander is similar. But Hoaglander, we kind of knew what the issues were. We kind of knew what he had to do. And I think similarly to uh, put Coles in, maybe if the circumstances were different, there would have been maybe a little bit more patience there with this game or whatever it is. But I think it's pretty clear. He's still not doing the things they need him to do to that degree yet, and he's just not finishing his chances. Yeah, He gets a boatload of chances, doesn't finish, and you know how Boudreaux feels about that.
0: Yep. Got to score goals to stay in this stay uh, in this lineup, kid, and stay in a big spot. Hasn't happened uh, for Nils Hoaglander this season.
1: Quickly on Rathbone, is it just a numbers game for him?
0: In what sense?
1: With all the guys ahead of him that are veterans?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, Stillman's in the lineup now. Burroughs got in um, as a righty on the left side before that. It it feels as though Rathbone really lost a lot of trust with those last couple of games that he played. Yeah. And... (laughs) Bruce was like, all right, you're getting a shot, and he didn't take that shot. Well,
1: I thought he played well for a couple of games, and he had a bad game or two afterwards, too, but no different than anybody else. But, yep. again, when you don't have that track record and you're a young player and a team is in distress, it's a tough position. I feel like he should play more because I see Stillman. I'm like, this guy.
0: I'm like, okay, and well, it's Stillman. fair if, enough. If, if the Stillman giveaway at the end of the first period on Friday night turns into a goal, we're probably talking about a completely different game on
1: Friday night. Exactly, and here's the thing. I mean, yes, Rathbone wasn't any better than Stillman, but Rathbone doesn't have a lot of experience, he's a, and he's a young player. I'd rather have him be as bad as Stillman and get the experience to see if he becomes well, there's more upside up. in Rathbone.
0: Yeah. And it's like well, exactly. very
1: easy to see. If Stillman was at least, you know, at least he was far superior, I can say, okay, forget that the guy is far better or whatever. Again, it is maybe nitpicking, because we're talking about a guy who's struggling, and we're trying to make a case for him playing a bit more. But well, I think a, there's a numbers game, yeah. really, that gets in his way more than anything.
0: Um, and then, you know, I know there's uh, still a lot of uncertainty on Travis Dermott and when he might be able to return. But, you know, once he comes in, there, then there's really no spot for Jack Rathbone on this roster. And that is sort of the... Uh, Time. you expect him to maybe get down to Abbotsford but it's a tricky situation for the Canucks right now all right coming up we're gonna have Irfan Gaffar join us on uh, on Canucks Central uh, Frank Saravalli will join us tomorrow our regular Monday insider so we're doing a little swap here on Monday and Tuesday Irf gives his take on uh, what to make of the Canucks Sens trade talks and what the team might be up to we'll get into that next it is Canuck Central. Canuck Central in the Kintech studio at Rogers Arena at Stan Richo and Satyar Shaw. Kintech footwear and orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Canuck Central is brought to you by Grip Auto and Tire, quality service you can trust, and 14 locations to serve you. Sat uh, tonight, the Canucks and Vegas Golden Knights. Um, There's, there's going to be like a World Cup feel to tonight's game as uh, Rogers Arena is going to get hyped for Canada's first game at the World Cup on Wednesday against Belgium. Yeah, as they should. You know, Let's do it. Should, should get hyped
1: for it. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch uh, Canada play at so, the World Cup. I mean,
0: I can't believe they're actually going to play a World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> it is so, like, foreign. I'm like, like Canada's playing? What's? It, it's it's still wild to me. I, I don't know how I'm going to feel on, uh, on, on Wednesday when it does kick off at 11 a.m. But, like, do we, like, parade down Robson Street with Canada flags uh, if they score a goal? Like that seems uh, reasonable to me. No, I
1: don't know about scoring a goal, but I mean, hey, listen, I, I remember when when Canada won gold at Salt Lake. Yeah. People were driving up and down Georgia and Robson Street losing their money. Oh yeah. I remember that was in two thousand and two. So if Canada wins a match I think, I don't know if it's going to be to that level, just winning a match or whatever it is. Yeah. But I'm sure people will go out and, and honk their horns, horns at least. It'll be like a playoff vibe. People will be excited if they win a match at the World Cup. I remember, like, even when Italy will, with, when it wins a match or whatever, you see what happens in commercial. I mean, you I, see mean what's I was there for town. when they won the Euro. Yeah. Exactly. So you know what's going on in this town. So I, I'd say. For sure, you'd see some celebrations.
0: I, I call for it, even if they, even if Canada just scores a goal, Let, like let's do it, let's let's enjoy it. I don't uh, know if that's
1: going to happen. To be honest, all
0: right, let's bring in our next guest, uh, Canucks Insider with the fourth period. It is Irfan, joins us Irfan Gaffar joins us weekly. Erfan Gaffar joins us weekly here on uh, Canucks Central. Uh, you could have seen him parading along the seawall in his three lions kit after their big
2: six-two victory this morning. I was in a blanket on the couch watching it but I mean yeah basically the same I was uh good win we'll take it you know but I'm not not not, not I think it's a win that you should have and I was more impressed with the US and the USA's inability to win that game Oof. Yeah. Oh. Hey. Oh hey, yeah. Ohe <laughs> is oh, is exactly the way to put it, man.
0: I mean, that's kinda you know, that's kind of the story of the American team, uh, for anybody that's been paying attention. They uh, can look pretty good but then not know how to finish in the final third and their coach makes a lot of really mad, uh insane type of in game adjustments, which are bad. Yeah. So, it was also uh, wild
2: too that I didn't even know I thought that Pulisic was the captain of the team and I didn't know that the team voted and it wasn't even him. That says something Wait
1: So he is like LeBron No I mean Like honestly
2: No man Like (sighs)
1: I'm
2: sorry I had to
1: no, that's all good, man. Listen, I don't. I'd love to see Pulisic get his transfer out of Chelsea by this point. So believe me, I got, I'm fine with it. And and I mean, I, I, we talked about this on on Friday. Like I, you know, with everything going on in Iran, like I don't feel the same like I normally do when Iran's at the World Cup. But yeah, the reality. But the reality here is because Wales and the U.S. tied that match, that means the team that finishes second. Could get in with as little as four points, so the door remains open. And I think that's the biggest issue here for for U.S. They left the door wide open here for Wales or Iran at this stage, not taking that game home to qualify above them out of the group stage.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I th- look, the World Cup is the best time of year. Whether I don't care if it's in December or whatever, but it's it's awesome. Like people are still getting up at whatever time to watch these games sitting from their TVs and stuff like that. I love it. I think it's great. And I'm excited for Wednesday. I think a lot of us are. I mean, um, first time in my lifetime that I'll be able to say that, you know, Canada was in the world cup. So, and, and, and watch a game. So it, uh, it definitely should be an exciting time. I heard you reach talking about parading and, and, and things like that. And yeah, man, score a goal, do something. I'm here for it. Let's do it. One goal. And I'm,
0: I'm ready to go. I'm ready to like, just parade anywhere uh, after well, one. You one can't goal. parade
2: anywhere now with the
0: kit that you currently have. So I know. Jeez. Uh, I might even get up at t- or just stay up for 2 a.m. to watch Messi uh, and-, and Argentina against Saudi Arabia. It's either that or a PVR. But uh, there's four <laughs> matches tomorrow, so it's gonna
1: be. I, I mean, post game shows till midnight. I'm getting home around 12:30. I might be up for at least a <laughs> part of that match. <laughs> well, it depend. Uh, hey,
2: that that could also depend how how, how tonight goes. How late your post game show goes, right? That.
1: Well yeah, I know. I mean I think we'll be done at midnight. I'm not staying
0: past midnight. Uh, especially if they lose. I've had that same post game show enough times. Are you implying something is on the horizon for the Vancouver Canucks, Earth? Other than their
2: hockey game at seven thirty tonight? Nope.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just just clarify. Uh, no,
2: they're 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 getting ready to play the Vegas Golden Knights and that's really where they're at right now. To be Did you mention, honest. I hope they Did didn't you say something last week about not much going on? Yeah. The week before that too. Um, no, I mean, look, I think it's over the weekend too. We've, we've kind of heard the, I kind of heard the same thing that look, they're, they're, they're not firing Bruce Boudreaux, Um, and they're not in any rush to make any moves. Yeah. They're going to take calls and yeah, things are going to happen, but you know, th- this team isn't desperately trying to go out and, and trade Bo Horvat uh, or they're desperately trying to go out and, and, and make a move for, for the sake of doing it. It's just, it's just not the way that they're operating right now. And, you know, we heard Elliot's obviously in his um the thirty two uh, thoughts and, and and what he said and that's basically what what we've been hearing for for the last little bit is that this team is is gonna just keep doing what they're doing right now and, and try and write this ship on their own and and Bruce is and Bruce is the guy no matter how many times he says after a game I needed the win or kind of jokes or or take shots or, or things like that it's Bruce is the coach of this team and and they're they're as of right now they're 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 not gonna they're not looking um, to make a change that way or in any rush to make any moves on the player side.
0: It feels as though Bruce is really trying to like sell that narrative. Like it's, it's us against the world or like we're fighting for our lives every single
2: day. Uh, even though. I mean, it, yeah. He, I mean, he, it's the, tough though. Yeah, Cause when your general manager comes out and your president comes out and basically there's no ringing endorsement from yeah. what Jim Rutherford said. So what's he supposed to say at that point? Right. It's
0: true. And the thing with, with Bruce right now and and the way this team is, is going, Um, they are kind of stuck as, as we've talked about. There's just still so early in the season. There's not a lot of cap space around the league. We know the closer you get to trade deadline, the easier it becomes to make deals and more teams are motivated. More teams have an idea of where they're going for the rest of the season, what sort of path they want to take. And until those things really start to open up, like, any trade of significance, just really, it's hard to imagine it's even out there right now. It's not. It's, yeah. it's, it's it, In all
2: reality, it's not. You look at the top teams of the National Hockey League right now. You look at the New Jersey Devils. You, and you look at teams like the Boston Bruins or things like that. And, you know, maybe around trade deadline, they'll be looking to you know, get a player or, or acquire services uh, of someone on, on, a, on a rental basis or, or maybe, you know, get someone to try and push them over the edge as they head into the postseason. But for the other teams, like you just said, a lot of teams are capped out. And it's just, it's, it's not that easy to make a move. And for, for this team in this front office right now, um, they're not in a rush. You know, they're, they're, they're going to try, try and do what, you know, they can to, to try and win hockey games. And they're going to let Bruce kind of run the show right now for, for as long as it goes. Um, and I, I really don't think that there's going to be a change. I don't think that, to be honest, like I, I don't think that they met with anyone um, in this last week that was kind of reported. I, I don't think that happened either. So uh, it's, just, it's just interesting to see kind of what's been going on and, and, and what's been out there and things like that. And, I mean, of course, they're answering calls and, and they are open for visit. That shouldn't be a secret at all to anybody. But as far as them going out and rushing to, to trade a player... Um, I just don't think that's
1: happening right now. Well, I mean, I mean, the reality is they want to do stuff, right? The reality yeah. is, you know, th- they want to make changes and they are open for business. It's just it's just not the stage yet where a lot of business is happening across the league, especially when it comes to trying to move money out. And, you know, we talked about the Myers thing as well, right? Like, I, I don't think it ever got to that stage because I think, you know, like like it has been mentioned, Myers was never asked to waive his no-trade clause which means he has a limited no-trade clause, which means Ottawa's on the list of teams that he doesn't want to go to. So like, I, I just don't think with him, he's a guy that, unless it's, it's a team that's not on his list calls, I don't think there's much going on there with him. And then for their other guys, like for Bo Horvat, the reality is if you're not going to sign him, you have to wait for that market to develop because there are a bunch of teams that are contenders that right now can't make that deal or just are not in a position to make that deal. But in about a month's time, they might be very much ready to make that type of deal. So the reality is, as much as they want to make deals, as much as they are trying to figure out what's going on, they just kind of have to wait this out a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's tough. And honestly, man, for these guys right now, like all this stuff that's going on and you hear about it, you read about it, you see about it on social media and for everything like that, this is one of those things where, you hope the room is, is tighter. You hope that, you know, like you mentioned, Reach, that it's kind of us against the world thing, and they can, and they can string some wins together. I mean, look, when Luke Shen had the, the belt after the game, and he could have given that belt to um, Brock Besser, right? First two goals of the season, guy got off the side, but he gave it to Demko, and I think that spoke volumes because everyone knows how – we all know what Demko's start has been like this season right? He, he obviously admittedly hasn't been good um, and, and his numbers don't lie, but I think that in its own shows one, like a really good move of leadership from a guy like Luke Shen, who's obviously loved in that room, but two, um, just the way that those guys are right now. And the kind of in that us against the world little mentality where, you know, you, you could have given it to a guy where he got off the side, but you give it to your goalie, try and boost up his confidence a little bit. And I think that's spoke volume to be completely honest.
0: Yeah. And it it's, like the rise of Luke Shen has been pretty wild here. You know, <laughs> I, I know they 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 made the right decision last year for me and not moving on from him at the deadline when they had teams that were interested. I mean, just look at how valuable he's been on the contract that he still has for this year. But you know, it, it's it, he's becoming quite the asset for this team as uh, you know. It looks like they're going to be probably a seller as we get closer to the deadline.
2: Yeah, and, and I think for a lot of Canuck fans, it's kind of the Chris Canev type of role that Luke Shen's playing. I mean, obviously not the player on the ice, but, you know, the way that, the way that he is off the ice. And, you know, he, he's a leader, right? He's in front of the media all the time. And when can we say that, you know, about Luke Shen? No, not really in disrespect to him. I mean, guys has got a couple cups, right? Or he's got a cup, right? So when you look at, you know, his leadership, and he's been around for a really, really, really long time, um, guys look up to him. So there's 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 definitely that, but um, yeah, I, I do agree with you. He as we, as we get closer here to the deadline, and if they do become sellers, I bet you there'll be a lot of teams that'll be looking for for Luke Shen services as we head into the postseason.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with him, and he's the prime candidate. Yeah. Of Luke, listen, uh, we might trade you, but uh, you might get a call back from from us uh, yeah. in, in free agency. So you know what? How case, about you just yeah, just in case we don't
2: fix up. Just in case we don't fix our defense in the summer again. <laughs> yeah, or or even
1: without that. They may still want to add him because, you know, how good of a yeah. leader he's been. So, I mean, I think he's an easy guy to hint, hint, nudge, nudge that with, right? And and he wants to be out here. But, you, you know, as far as, like, their best player so far this season up front, it has been Elias Petterson. And one of the things that's so impressive is his overall game. Like, for as bad as... Everything's been around this team, and and how poor their details have been. And yes, Pedersen hasn't been perfect; he's had his moments. But overall, his attention to detail has been better than any other Canucks forward. Him and McKay have really. And if we're talking about leading by example, I think Pedersen has done that. The question is, does it get to a stage where that you know kind of other players take that on as well? Because they look at it and say, "Hey, our most talented players doing this, we have to do, do the same thing." Like, do we get to a stage where those guys? it rubs off on the guys in a positive way? Or does he still have to improve in a leader for that to happen?
2: I don't know. I think that Elias Pedersen is more so the guy that can let his play on the ice through the talking. Like, yeah. he's trying really, really hard. And, you, and it's not and it's no secret to anybody. Like, you can tell. The way that guy backchecks, the way that he tries to break up, you know, odd man rushes when he's coming back from the offensive zone into the defense and, and things like that. Like, the guy skates hard every single time he's on the ice. And if his teammates can't see that and want to up their game, that's on them right and, and and you're right he has been their best player um he's been their most probably their most consistent as well um when it comes to obviously scoring and, and, and things like that and I, I think that one of the things that when when we look at him right now is no matter who's on his line they're playing better and i think that that's where we we're kind of seeing the evolution of Elias Pettersson um in in, in becoming that really suit like elite level we know what he can do but i think it's now he's able to make the guys around him better and I think that that's what's turning him into more of a complete player, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and Friday night, Brock finally gets his first couple of yeah. goals of the season. Huge for him. You could see it had just the weight of the world off his shoulders after the game when he spoke to media. Um, yeah, I, I wonder what it's going to take to move him up the lineup, but I, I wonder if they would try Miller, Horvat, and Brock together. Lotto line just with a different centerman.
2: <laughs> I mean look it, it, He's got two goals He's got two goals under his belt He's probably is feeling himself a little bit Got a little bit of confidence Now a little bit more swagger Maybe not afraid to shoot the puck anymore Maybe less, a little bit less hesitant than he was when he wasn't playing well um, According to him as well But um, yeah I mean look I, I'm, all, I'm, I'm all in for any sort of Line blending situation If it comes to you know Trying to get more exciting And trying to win a hockey game Like Bruce when he's running the bench You do whatever you want Right, uh to be honest, especially if you're down in a game or if you're or if you're trying to win a hockey game, you know you you put your best players or what you think your best players are together to try and win and I don't mind that I, I think that the way that Bo's playing right now, um, we all know how j t how j t moves and goes um, when, when he's on the ice and when, when he's on, it would probably do something well for Brock. I mean it might mm-hmm. make him play a little bit better to be honest to have those two guys that are going so well and be able to play with him a little bit more of a confidence boost for him but um yeah, Brock, Brock's the interesting one. I think that, you know, tough go, obviously, with the things that everything that happened this summer. Um, you know, it, it, it was a little bit of a slower start for him. And I think now that if he can get, you know, kind of his feet going a little bit more, start to shoot the puck a little bit more. Um, it's crazy to say, but once you see the puck go in the net once, then things start to happen, right, for you. So we'll see if uh, if things start to change and fortune start to go his way. But, you know, you the, the, the two goals on Friday night were good.
1: Well, you know, on the back end, uh, it's funny because he's on pace for, you, you know, like 90 some, 90 points in all assists, <laughs> Quinn Hughes, no point, no goals in the season so far, 16 assists, but it, has, it hasn't been perfect for him. Defensively, he's had his struggles. He doesn't look like he's completely up to speed yet. So if I'm looking at a player who maybe gets a lot better as a season goes on, is Quinn Hughes that prime candidate outside of Thatcher Demko, of course?
2: Yeah, I think you got to hope for him to improve more in his own end a little bit, right? Yeah. You know what his – you know, you just mentioned the numbers. You know what his offense is going to be like, right? There's no doubt that he's a gifted offensive defenseman. It's just, you know, playing in your own end a little bit. And obviously, you're matching up against other teams, you know, better players night in and night out. So, it's gonna you're going to get some tough matchups, right? But I, I think that, you know, the way that he's played, obviously, you know, with the injury, that kind of is bugging him a little bit. We'll see if he can, you know, keep um, – maybe shake that off a little bit more. And, and obviously – be able to get to full health, but um, he's a guy, like like you mentioned, other than Demko, that I think that, you know, as as the season goes on here and as we get more and more deep into it, you know, he'll start to find his own Quinn Hughes doesn't need to score goals for this team to be successful, right? He he, he doesn't. He, he's a guy that obviously can quarterback the power play, get a bunch of assists, and, and and do all that stuff. But you want him to be better in his own end, and I think that that's what they're looking forward for, looking looking towards from him is to be able to you know get a little bit better on the defensive side because you know the offensive numbers are going to come.
0: Does Canada get a result on Wednesday?
2: Up and down. I mean, I know Davey <laughs> said that. I know that Davy said that he was ready. I'm ready, but like, how ready is he? Like, Isakio right. was is was probably their most important player, other than yeah. Davies. right?
0: He also um, might not be a hundred percent.
2: Exactly, and I mean, obviously that's gonna that sucks for Canada, but no Lukaku yeah. for for the for the Belgium side, so that helps a little bit. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I think that you where's know, where's your you, Canadian
0: pride, man? Like, come on. Huh? Belgium Belgium can be had they got like a 35 and a 37 year old defender anything's possible it's the World cup
2: I know I, I, I agree with you I'm okay. just saying that it's it's Belgium's one of the favorites to win the World Cup <laughs> yes, <they laughs> and you hope you just hope that Canada's ready and I think they will. look it's been a very long time I think that a lot of these guys when you watch all the interviews and and, and stuff that they're doing like they realize now that they're there how big of a deal this is to be completely honest. Like I think that, yeah. you know, they make the World Cup and yeah, it was great and you kinda saw it all and then it was on TV and stuff. But now that you're there and you have all the interviews that you're doing and you know, people are saying, Okay, it's the first time in any of your lifetimes that basically this is happening. And like, some of these guys are like, Holy crap, like this is really it. So I think they realize how big of a deal it is and how much this means to a lot of people. And I think that, you know, you're gonna see them go out and come flying, hopefully. Um, but if they can catch if they can catch Beldum on a counterattack with like Davies and David flying up. I think I think there's a chance, but who knows? It's the World Cup. If you said reach, anything can happen.
0: Yeah, still very unlikely. Urf, uh, you're the best. Thanks for this. All right, guys. You all? There he is, Irfan Gafar.
1: You have to have some optimism heading into the first match, right? I mean, if there's a moment you're going to really believe and hope for the best, yeah. it's the first match, right? Yeah. So, hey, go into it hoping for the W. Honestly, I think that should be the mindset, though. Canada had the top. were the number one seed coming out of CONCACAF. Yeah they were the best team in CONCACAF all through qualifying. Mm-hmm. We should expect them to contend to get out of the group. We should expect them to be able to stay in matches against teams like Belgium. Not favorite, of course, but could they nick one? They could. Yeah. Right? So so I think our expectations should be that that they can win and and perhaps they do something here and they can get out of the group. So I'm for having some hype and, and believing ahead of the first match.
0: I uh I like a lot of what I am seeing right now from Canada. I think John Herdman's playing a little bit of mind games, and I like that. I think Belgium is sort of looking at Canada and being... Almost looking past them, you know? Looking past both Canada and Morocco. They're like, yeah, Lukaku will be fine without him for the first two games. And hey, they're the second-ranked team in the world, so they should be able to win these games without their top striker. But I just... The more I look at Belgium, the more I wonder if they're a team that uh, really disappoints at this World Cup. My, my, might be my Canadian bias. Ah, so so you, f-
1: you feel like they have some un, uh, undeserved arrogance to them? Uh, they just don't have a complete team right now. Yeah, well, their midfield is a bit soft.
0: Yeah, and their defense is really soft.
1: Although, I mean, if De Bruyne just goes God mode, you're yes. in trouble.
0: Th- that's that's the biggest problem. <laughs> if word. he goes box <laughs> to
1: box and he's just like, I'm just going to do everything, which he can do. For, I mean, the,
0: for the casual Canadian soccer fan, it's all like – De Bruyne could be like McDavid without the speed, of course, but yeah. like, you know, he could just do anything he, he wants. He can dis- he can have a moment where he's just like, Okay, like I'm gonna win the game now. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and like and, and he's good enough to if he wants to be engaged defensively yeah. in this turn, he can easily be box and box run back and be disruptive and do all that sort of stuff. So yeah. as much as yes on paper they don't have some pieces that you look at and be like, Well oh, that's critical. But it just comes out to how <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne feels.
0: Uh, so we're continuing to get excited for that. They're going to have some World Cup kickoff as the theme of tonight's event here at Rogers Arena between the Canucks and Vegas Golden Knights. We'll have some more thoughts on the World Cup as Canucks Central rolls on, but also more thoughts on your Vancouver Canucks and what's happening around the league as well. Plus Don Taylor at 5.30. It is Canucks Central on a game day. Sports at 6.50.